What's going on, everybody? It is Coach Greg Adams back in here with another YouTube live stream. Shout out to the Coach Gang for being in here, being involved, and being active on this YouTube channel. And this is the Wake Up Show. Welcome to the Wake Up Show, part of the Free Agent Lifestyle podcast here on the Free Agent Lifestyle channel. And that's you. Hey, man, direct everybody in here. I know we're not going to really, really, really talk about women. What we do here on Wednesday, or talk about relationships, what we do on Wednesdays is we talk about the blue chip mindset this is a mindset that we've adopted here that is part of the free agent lifestyle podcast that is part of the american in, ingrained in the american culture on people rising to the top what do the richest of the rich do what do the wealthy people do what do the well-off people do and then we try to copy that in our own style and status and then implement that into our people that we support our support system and everybody in between. And if, if 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 you fall outside of this mindset, then you are someone that we probably don't want to get with. So there are certain things that we do. We talk about not boxing yourself in. We talk about not embracing a victim mindset. We talk about not worrying about or paying attention to what the normies are paying attention to because oftentimes they are in a victim mindset or they are on some mental health drugs. All right, shout out to and the liberals. That's you. Yeah, the liberals out there. All right, so a lot of them have. I read an article out there. Uh, yesterday about a lot of the uh, white female liberals oftentimes do have a connection to mental health diagnoses prior to their embrace uh, embrace embracing of the liberalism uh, philosophy. So just because you're a liberal doesn't mean you're mentally ill. <laughs> I just want to say that. However, we don't have a victim mindset over here. What we are are, and I'm going to put these things up here just so you guys know. This is not a show that promotes hate nor harm. This is not a show that is uh, going to hate you because of your gender or your relationship status. Okay. We don't hate you because you're married or single or an uh, uh, introvert or an extrovert or a incel or somebody that is a player, Mac or a pimp. We don't hate you because of that. We might describe you. We might describe you, but there's no hate. We actually embrace men, men specifically to have healthy lifestyles in their finances and their emotional uh, and personal relationships. This is what we support over here. We do use comedy and laughter to talk about people who are out of their mind sometimes, but that's not hate, right? Um, and if you want to dance around in a rainbow, uh, a rain full of rainbow, that's what you want to do. And you're welcome to be over here as well. But we are classists over here. I'm just going to let you guys know I am a major classist. And um, I don't know how you would describe what class I'm in, but we're going to go over that as well. Um, I'm not in the elite class, but I'm on a, I'm, I might be a class by myself, right? I'm in a class all by myself. But in regards to how people behave, when it comes down to things, class in our country probably segregates us more than anything else. And you might imagine that's not true. You might imagine that's not true. You're like, that, that, that is not true, coach. It's race, you know, because we are really a, a culture that loves, to talk about race, right? Race is, always needs to come up in every subject, especially if somebody's on YouTube and they're a black person, all right? Even if that person's not talking about race, you're gonna talk about race, all right? Because that's where you're stuck. So it could be a person, he could be uh, your average consumer. He could be Marcus, is it Marquise Brownlee? They could have a tech channel. <laughs> he could be doing his thing and somebody's gonna make an issue about him and bring up race and he never brought it up. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. Why is why are you bringing it up just because he's black? You see what I mean? But in our culture, we're distracted by race, which is something that is used for division. And it's oftentimes not really you're not able to really distinguish 
who a person is just based on their race, right? You can look at them and say, well, that's their race. And then you can put all these qualifying factors that you would believe would be associated with their race. And he, he or she has none of them. They have none of those factors, none of those qualities of what you were characterized as that person's race. They, they would have none of it. They probably don't even have a culture that would even associate with a certain race. But, but, but class, class certainly can be determined based on who you are. So say, for instance, you were a lower class white, you were a lower class Latino, you were a lower class black person. You basically can qualify yourself as soon as you open your mouth. Before you even walk in the door, you can you can qualify yourself as low class or high class, middle class, working class, or whatever. So you can qualify yourself immediately. And they have phrases for it in our country. Trailer park trash, white trash, right? They have that, they have that quality that would associate with them. Even though they have qualified with the race, they will say, Well, that person is this race. However, they're low class, which matters more. It didn't even matter that they were white. It mattered what their class was. Same thing as we have in the in the black community. They will say this person's bougie, bougie, she bad and bougie, right? This is somebody who believes they're uh, uh, of a higher class than everybody else. You have thugs and Ray Ray and Pookie. That is a class distinction. That would be a class distinction of a person. You have Tamiko, Tanisha, Tatalisha, and Bonquisha. That would have a that would determine a class of people within a social structure of race or a social uh what do they call it? Not a social, a social construct of race. So they are a certain race, but you then divide them up in classes. Uh even slaves, or oh yeah, even slaves had a distinction in class in many different ways. So one slave could be a domestic slave. While the other slave is a field slave, that is a class distinction within the same institution, within the same race. You also had the light skin versus the dark skin slaves. There was a class distinction between the people within the same racial structure or social structure. You also had old versus young slaves, male versus female slaves. You had free slaves versus people who were or free men, free blacks versus uh, slaves. You had all of those people in the same structure, in the same race, in the same construct. Even in the social structure of slavery, you had chattel slaves and you had indentured servants. They caught they they were slightly ahead of each other in class. The indentured servant was slightly ahead of the field slave or the chattel slave in class. However, according to the people elevated above them, they were barely indistinguishable. They were barely indistinguishable. And many times, some of the most barbaric things that happened to you or happened to slaves were from the indentured servants the class that was slightly ahead of you because they wanted to keep you down and they were more barbaric against you than the people that were elevated up higher. And oftentimes that people that were elevated higher allowed the indigenous service to be barbaric to the slaves. You see what I mean? So there was always a social structure of class in our society. As a matter of fact, in early America, in early America, um, the constitution afforded distinction between landowners and non-landowners one of the most important distinctions in the constitution originally other than male and white was then landowner right that is a class distinction it started off as a gender then a race then they went specifically in the class so you could be white and male with no land and you got no uh leg up on the competition all right you got no leg up you were with everybody else but as soon as you throw in the land ownership, the class distinction, it then separated you and granted you with significant more rights than the people without. That is called the class 
system. All right. And you're in class today, by the way. This is an edutainment show. All right. You just learned something today. So do me a favor. Like the video. Like the video. I'm going to really break it down on how important class is in our country and what exactly is class. All right. That's what we're doing today. By the way, like the video. If you want your voice to be heard on this one and you have something to offer or you just want to support the day show, do me a favor. Hit me up on dollar sign CGA live in the building. All right. Dollar sign CGA live. All right. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, wealthy landowners. Too. Now, not only landowners, yeah, when you throw wealth on top of land, yeah, I mean, that is a class distinction. And class plays a bigger role in our society than we're willing to uh, let understand, all right, but uh, let everybody understand. And we're oftentimes fighting about things gender-wise, race-wise, when many times it's a class issue and we refuse to actually acknowledge it because that's something you many people cannot change. All right. Many people you don't have any control over. You're kind of stuck in this caste class system. All right. We'll break all of that down. Do me a favor. Um, dollar sign CGA live. Let your voice be heard. We're going to let those voices be heard right away. Or you can hit me up on PayPal, PayPal, paypal.me backslash coach Greg Adams. You'll see it as G7 performance training. All right. You'll see that. And you'll be like, is that you coach? And that's you. That's what you'll say. Coach, is that you? All right, shout out to the people that have contributed over on the Cash App. We're going to acknowledge you right now, right now. All right, so let, let me see who. Who do we got here? Shout out to, uh, let's see here. Oh, shout out to Warhammer. He says, I still feel nothing, S-Y-S-B-M. Uh, when, when people say S-Y-S-B-M, people don't know what that means. It's save yourself, black men. Uh, that is a class distinction that they're making. All right, they're trying to separate themselves from a class of people that, are doing something that they no longer want to participate in, all right? It's, many people may see that as evil. They're like, oh, that's evil. That's hateful. That's me. All right, why are you trying to separate yourself from your people? Well, these men who say SYSBM don't think that they're the, that's their people, all right? They'll say, that ain't my people. Now, people will say, you Uncle Tom, you shuffling sellout, what? Well, what they're saying is, those aren't my class of people. They look like me but they ain't me. All skin folk ain't kin folk. Those aren't the type of people that I want to be with. Now, this, this, this is something that's hard for people to really grasp because they believe because you look like each other, you should support each other. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it doesn't happen in any class of or any race of people going ahead. I mean, white people don't do that. I'm sure Latino people don't do that. I'm trying to provide an example of what they don't do, but you would have distinctions of class between Latino people that maybe are first class, first time immigrants, first generation immigrants versus the rancheros versus the uh, Latinos that have been here since the 1800s and even further. There's people that's Latinos, especially in Southern California, uh, in places like Santa Ana and Anaheim and all over the damn uh, uh, all over the map in Southern California where their families have been here for five, six, seven, eight generations. All right. But you will look at them and be like, oh, these are immigrants or illegal aliens. Mm. And then people be like, man, my family been had property in Santa Ana since the 1800s. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Immigrants. We ain't no damn immigrants. We've been here. All right. Same thing about, uh, same thing as whites. All right. Whites are like, um, that's trailer park trash. That's low class whites. That's, you know, dirty rednecks. They they will have distinctions across the boards. And then the rednecks will be going in on the on the uh, uppity, uppity crust white folk. 
they divide each other up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for some reason, uh, a man says SYSBM, and people think you can't divide each other up in a class system. I believe blacks can benefit from a class system. They can benefit from a separation of saying, okay, y'all going that way, we going this way, and you're unprotected and we're protected, or vice versa. You're protected and I'm unprotected, <laughs> whatever you want to do. But for some reason, we we think that there's all there has to be an allegiance to a group of people you don't know. And it just doesn't work that way, right? It don't work that way. Um, nobody else does that. Nobody else does that just as a qualifying factor. So class does play a part, all right? Whether you want to believe it or not, I don't care if you don't believe it, but it's happening right now. And, and, and let me just tell you, it's happening on a grand scale. Let's just take Jay-Z for a second. Jay-Z came from Queensbridge, Brooklyn, which is the one of the things in America is you can go from ashy to classy pretty fast. All right, pretty fast. The chips have to fall in your in your favor. However, Jay-Z grew up in Queensbridge, Brooklyn, not probably 25 years ago, maybe 30. I'm not sure. Let me do the quick maths. 30 years ago. And this dude's a billionaire now, qualifies as a billionaire. And his ass probably ain't been to Queensbridge in a hot minute. <laughs> Did I say Queensbridge? Oh, Marcy, my bad. Nas, oh, I do. New York is, hey, yo, shun. Yo, shun. Where's my hat? New Yorkers is mad at me, man. New Yorkers is like this. They showed up like this. Hey, yo, shun. Yo, shun. Get it straight, shun. He from Marcy. He from Marcy Project, Sean Nasha, yo, the takeover, the breaks over, yo, me, yo, me and King Hover, yo, Sean, yo, get it right, Sean, yo, it's Nash came from Queensbridge, Sean, uh, Marcy, Marcy's in Brooklyn, Sean, where you been? Do you know your geography, Sean? I'm tired of you, Sean, coming on here, and I've been, I've been missing for a hot minute, but I'm back, Sean. This is Stereo Shaheen back in the building, Sean. <laughs> I'm tired of this, Sean. What is up with this, man? You don't even know your basic geography of the five boroughs, Sean. It's the five boroughs around here, Sean. And you had a nerve to put JG in Queenbridge, Sean. All right, this is ridiculous, Sean. I'm going to just turn you off right now. I'm tired of this, man. New York, New York is the city of dreams, man. And it's the best city on planet Earth. Yeah, we got big rats all in the subway system and whatnot, Sean. We got big rats. We got people shooting up and all of this stuff. We got people out here, crackheads riding the trains and whatnot. But this is still the greatest city on earth. And you best push respect on our city, Sean. <laughs> I'm tired of this, Sean. All right. Start out the Sherio Shaheen. <laughs> you know what I mean, Sean? This is crazy, man. Yo, you just, you just, you just made you just made your show go from a 10 to an 8 with that, Sean. <laughs> man, you got my Timberland boots all hot, man. I'm sweating in my Timberland boots right now. You put Jay-Z in Queenbridge, son. Mm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway. Shout out to Jay-Z. He came from Marcy. He came from Marcy Projects in, in Brooklyn, son. <laughs> Not from Queenbridge. Word is born. Anyway, oh, by the way, we were talking about Jay-Z coming from Marcy. <laughs> we 
what the reality is he's now elevated his status to a position where he does no longer qualify for Marcy, nor would he probably associate with many people from Marcy if he didn't have to. With that being said, that's an example of a person coming from one class and then transcend transcending uh, class and going into an elite class and now no longer probably having an association with this previous class, no matter that he matches the people that are in that class system. Okay. That he matches them, uh, he matches them in terms of where he came from and his looks, but he no longer has to associate with that class of people. So that is a distinction of class. So I just wanted to uh, talk about that. <laughs> talk about that. Uh, shout out to Warhammer also says the last hope for these 304s dies with KS. Uh, now everybody's probably going to find KS videos that they, that they agree with. And they were like, oh, wait, wait, maybe he wasn't that bad. It's always too late for people. You know what I mean? It's too late. Shout out to Timmy. He says, uh, peace leave hyperinflation chart is in your email. Okay, okay. I'm going to check that out. The peace leave hyperinflation chart is in your email. All right. The one thing that they bring to the table, all right, as they say. And uh, listen, uh, uh, some people know this, but they're trying to still finesse you as they bring more. Uh, but the things that they often bring are things that they that you have to qualify for them to bring. Like meaning they have a job in a higher class. So you got to have a job in a higher class than they have. And then they can bring you their job in a class system that is not going to really benefit you. They have a degree. So then they say you have to have a degree too. So they're saying I bring a degree to the table, but oftentimes you have to qualify with a degree. Now, if you brought degree to the table, you could go down to a guy that didn't have a degree, right? But oftentimes they're like, I'll bring more to the table. What do you bring? I got a degree. And graduated from college with my bachelor's at 20 with a degree in communication sciences with an emphasis in speech and language pathology. I've island hopped. I've flown myself to Paris. I've done Greece. I've island hopped. I've done all of that. But they don't bring that down to a guy without either of those. <laughs> so they're going, I bring this to the table, but you also have to have it to the table for me to bring it to the table. I have a job that makes 75K, but but I bring that to the table. You have to make 150K so I can bring my 70K to the table. Now, that's not what you bring. You have to bring something distinct from the table, from what I already have. What are you talking about? Shout out to XL Pro Services says, morning, Coach Gang. We are in here in the building. Shout out to everybody. Uh, man, this is a good morning. And uh, be happy that you're here and be happy that you're in the United States of America. I know people don't like the United States, but I'm going to tell you, you could have been born somewhere else where you have zero chance. Zero. Shout out to uh, Billy the Kid. Chill, Sean. Nosh is from Queenbridge. Jay-Z is from Mossy. He says, hand your Tim's over, please, Sean. Yo, man, I got to have my Tim. No more Yankee fitted for me. No more Timberland boots, Sean. No more Mitchell and Ness jerseys. Nothing. <laughs> all right all done it's a wrap uh i apologize for my people my hip-hop people in new york how this is terrible shout out to uh we're gonna call you a austin i was just talking about this yesterday my example was i know that american girls think that negro males have lower standards but that he says but this ain't that my ray-bans cost 200 <laughs> okay my ray-bans cost 200 so um, even people that are, don't match you qualify you 
just by seeing you. It's a prejudice, right? They prejudge you and they think you're a certain class or like a certain thing, right? They like it like a certain thing. They, oh, you listen to this. You watch this. Did you watch Power? Did you watch Empire? And I'd be like, nope. Nah, I missed it. <laughs> like, I didn't watch it. You don't watch it? No. I don't watch TV, but I, I, I don't watch that. Really? Oh, damn. What kind of, kind of black man are you? I don't watch TV. You know, I was just, I got like 10 TVs in this house. They're plugged up to Apple TVs. <laughs> like, I don't know. I watch what I like to watch. So anyway, it's kind of weird, but that people do put you in certain boats because of things like that. I mean, we do it to all races of people. You know what I mean? It is, it is kind of, it's funny, but it is funny. Where are we at here? Oh, man. Let me do a couple more. Shout out to Aceto Rusko says, uh, shout out to the Notorious. We're Notorious now, the Notorious CGA. And David says, uh, the working class here, working class. So let's go into this, and I'll get to the other people that contributed. Let's break down the classes that we have here in America. Let me share this chart with you. We're going to go with this chart first. This is going to give us an indication of what you probably already know of the social classes in America. This is just the basics. There's a couple of other classes in here that people don't really acknowledge, but we'll acknowledge them in a minute because it becomes important. But this is the class breakdown here in America. Now, what you have is the upper class, and um, those represent the top 1%, 2 to 3%. The upper class, most of these people go into a class of what they would call old money, which means it transcends more than it, it actually encompasses more than two generations of wealth. All right. Not immediate wealth, not a generation removed from wealth, not two generations removed from wealth. We're going to show you that that's a different class of people. But the upper class does encompass the both the old money and what they call new money. New money are people that have been in a situation where they they just obtained wealth in their class, in their generation or the previous generation. So uh, a new money person would be like an Oprah Winfrey. She's new money. Even though she got a lot of money and she's had a lot of money for a long time, she still would be in a class of new money. Bill Gates would be in a class of new money to the point where we know his father was participating in the social class system, right? His father was had elevated him to an upper middle class lifestyle. Uh, through political gains and whatnot. But Bill Gates attained most of his money by himself within his generation, right? He probably had some help to get there. He was able to drop out of Stanford or drop out of wherever he went to school. And his father was able to have him build um, build his computers in his basement. But his father was an upper class person. All right. I mean, sorry, a middle upper middle class person, which way they will divide up the middle class. So. Michael Jordan is a new money, upper class person. So he's just one generation. Now his kids, his grandkids will be part of old money. But his sons are a part of new money because that's first, second generation. So you have old money versus new money in the upper class. Now, those are additional distinctions. Now you have in the middle class. Okay, the middle class. So people want an example of old money. So uh, J. Paul Getty would be an example of old money. The Kennedys would be an example of old money. There are definitely three or four generations removed from the original Kennedy, uh, the original Kennedy uh, patriarch who had got most of his money through prohibition. And most of that 
through sex work and and uh and running liquor bath to a brew all right so that's kind of how he got rich and then his grandkids and sons and all of that stuff now we're four generations at least removed from the patriarch kennedy who slips my mind right now <laughs> i'm sad that it does but we're removed from that probably four generations maybe five so that would be old money okay that would be old money somebody says bill Fo bill gates fathers was the ceo of planned parenthood which not that's not that would not be upper class that would not be upper class, number one. Number two, that's still two generations. Listen to the definition. You're not rich. Planned Parenthood was not rich back then. All right? They were just starting the extermination of the Negro back then. They were not rich. He was a part of an upper middle class CEO. Uh, just hang on for a second. CEOs, most CEOs are not upper class. Many of them are upper middle class. They're not in the top 10, top 1%. There are some that are. But many CEOs just have the title of a CEO. They barely cracking 250 a year. Okay, chill out. Chill the hell out. Anyway, um, let's get in here. Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy, sorry. Anyway, middle class, which makes up a great portion of our society, but it's kind of eroding. It's kind of eroding. Um, the middle class definitely has some distinctions. You have what they would call the upper middle class, which a lot of these people front like they're in the upper class, but they're not. They're still middle class, meaning if they stop working for a good month, they would be down in the lower middle class relatively soon. Many people in the upper middle class are into debt up to their eyeballs. Okay, many people in the upper middle class especially if they're new money in upper middle class. A lot of these people uh, are flashy. A lot of these people tend to be flashy. They tend to live in a lifestyle. They tend to live in a community to reflect that they are part of the upper class when they are not. Many of these people are CEOs at company, and they might make between $250,000 and $500,000 a year in which they can pretend to be in the upper class, but they're nowhere near it. They're nowhere near it. They're characterized by their big fancy houses in their slightly lower scale, but upper scale uh, gated communities. In which if they stop working for a month or two, they would be broke. When they go on vacations, they work, right? And the wife is going, why are you always working on vacation? She's an upper middle class mindset, it, probably a lower middle class mindset person that got pushed up to the upper middle class that thinks she can tell her upper class husband not to work, but he has to work or he'll get fired on vacation. Okay, he's not upper class. He cannot not stop working. He has to keep working to keep this damn juggling act going on. All right, he has to keep working to appear like he's in the upper class, but he's just in the upper middle class. The upper middle class people often have Two people working. Two people working, meaning the husband and the wife work, and they both can be upper middle class when they are uh, separated. But when they are together, they can fake being upper class. <laughs> but they're nowhere near upper class because if one of them lost their job, they'd be right back down to the lower middle class. <laughs> now, let's go down to the middle class again and go to the lower middle class. All right, the lower middle class are just a group of people probably, and we'll have a, I have another chart for you that kind of explains this. The lower middle class are people who have to work every day. They cannot stop. They cannot take sick days because below them 
or beside them is the working class. So lower middle class people are people with jobs like human resources, right? You make $70,000, $80,000 a year. Uh, you want to move into the suburbs with the upper middle class, but you're somewhere probably you're, you're somewhere probably in the lower hills of the valley. You know what I mean? The valley has some houses on the high hill. You're in the neighborhood near it. And you have your distinct little classes of ca categories of uh, of residences. Oh, I live in this resident, this class of this neighborhood. And you want to always let people know what school your kids go through, go to. They don't go to private school. They go to the good public schools in the good area. You can't afford to send them to private school. And you'll make an excuse as why not to send them to private school. Well, private school ain't all that. Because <laughs> you can't afford it because you're lower middle class. You can barely make it. If you miss one month's of rent, your ass hit into eviction. But you're too good to live with the working class. You're too good to live with the working class because the working class of, of people, they don't get to sit in comfortable offices and throw around job titles. Okay, so the lower middle class is fronting. The upper middle class is fronting, but they all have to hang on to appear to look like they're just approaching the upper class. <laughs> the working class are a group of people that would never qualify as the middle class because they actually wear uniforms to work. So they are divided, although many times they can make more money than the people who are in the lower middle class. They actually probably do make more money, but it is a grind. So these are your plumbers. These are your electricians. These are your people that own a fleet of trucks. These are your people that own trucking businesses. All right. These are these people here that look dirty. They look lower class, but at the same time, they seem to have a little bit of money. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you seem to be doing all right. They going on a little bit of vacations. You're like, you, how are you going on vacation? You a plumber. This is the skilled laborer people. These are the people who have uh, uh, certifications and whatnot. These are people that drive trucks and stand up there and toss cash around. And you're like, how do you make money? Well, I deliver loads all over the country. Pause. <laughs> so the working class is distinct from the middle class because the middle class is much more trying to attempt to be blue blooded. The working class, not so much. They're like, look, I can I don't have to live in an expensive neighborhood. I don't have to drive an expensive car. These people, you know, they, they're doing the juggling act for the most part, but for the most part, they're, they're content with where they are. They might live in a neighborhood that was the popular neighborhood 30 years ago, but they ain't never leaving it. You know what I mean? They staying in Huntington Beach. They're not going to Newport. They're like, I, I like Huntington Beach. <laughs> These are my people. You know, they'll go on the RV ride. They don't mind. But if they stop working, if they become disabled, then they're shit out of luck, right? Then they're going back down to the class of people called the lower class. The lower class people are there to scare the piss out of the working class and the middle class, all right? This is what I believe um, George Carlin, I think, talked about this. The lower class, people that are in poverty, people that are literally begging, begging, begging for money in various different ways. Many of these people might be grinding for money. Many of these people have generations of people living in their household. Many of these people are in poverty right now. These people are there to scare the piss out of the working and middle class because you don't want to be them. Of course, there's a lot of overlap here. Okay? You don't want to be the poverty people. You don't want to be lower middle class. And there's a lot of people in the working class and the middle class that are really lower class. They're kind of pushing toward the envelope of lower class. Like I said, if they didn't work for a month, they, they're in lower class immediately. Immediately. 
immediately. But the lower class people may be people who are trying to get up to the working class and the middle class. They just don't know how. Maybe they're young people. Maybe they're too young. Maybe they're stuck in their ways. Maybe they're victims. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. But a lot of times these people have shot themselves in the foot multiple times. So never think that a person's in the lower class and they just happen to get there. Now, they, they got there because they got addicted to drugs. They had uh, a divorce. Um, a lot of these people had a poverty mindset. They became alcoholics. They were mentally uh, had some mental health issues. Uh, they came from people who were already lowerly economically poor. And they shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> All right. And then they ended up staying in this class. So let me share another chart with you here. And this chart, this chart right here is going to talk about, did, uh, let's see here. Where'd it go? Where'd it go over here? By the way, before I share that chart, here's a funny chart that I've shared with you before. Uh, check out how deep this photo is right here. This is a, this is a photo for men. Uh, to look at how life works. Life is funny, isn't it? When you're young, you wake up every day chasing money, many times chasing women. You're trying to figure out your way in life. In the absence of money, you try to do what? You try to do what? Develop strategies on how you're going to get women. Women that shouldn't be gold diggers and shouldn't have standards. These women shouldn't want men with money. They should want me because I'm a highly moral, I'm a good man. All right, and I got a degree and I'm not a pookie or a Ray Ray. They should like me for me. All right. But in essence, you try to chase that money. And then at some point in your money uh, in your life, you 40s and 50s, you start getting some of that money. You start getting some of that money. Oh, boy, I get some of that money. Now I'm better with women. And then you get married and then, and then divorced. <laughs> you lose half of your money. But um, here's the situation here. He's catching up to the money. He's getting some. And then by the time you finally caught up to all that money. Life is over. It's over. How was the ride? All your life chasing money. And at the end, by the time you figured out how to get it, your ass is old and you can't take it with you. This is kind of how Kevin, this is the life. This is Kevin. I'm not dissing him by when I say that, though. But if you think about it, he lived a life for 50 years doing this. By the time he caught up, it was too late. He caught up. Time ran out. Now, I'm saying that to use as a lesson for you guys. What it has to happen first is a mindset because before he caught up to the money, he went through two divorces and bitter custody battles and child support, which derailed his progress towards getting wealth earlier. He could have got it a lot earlier, but he spent probably 20, 25 years trying to do what? Chase love and romance and make all of these things matter, when, which in the end, he was separated from three times. He was separated from his first wife, separated from his second wife, separated from his child. So all of those things that he chased early on, they, they found a way to separate it from him, but it still cost him uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You see, he still, although he got it, he still didn't get to keep it. Isn't that crazy? It's absolutely strange. And that happens to a lot of men. And then you finally figure it out. Forget all that bullshit. I'll go get some money. And by the time you go get some money, it's too late. It's too late. You caught up with the money, but now you, you only had the money for two years and it's out. It's done. That's all because you don't change your mindset up front and go with what really matters most as opposed to what everybody tells you what matters most. Uh, let's see here. I got to pull this other chart up, but it's somewhere where I cannot find. It's I, I got notes up. Where's my internet? <laughs> Where's we at right here? Oh, here it is right here. 
All right, so we got the poverty level poor, we got the working poor and all of that stuff. Let's, let me show you this chart. All right, I, I like to do research, as you guys can see. Instead of watching Power and Empire, this is what I do. Just so if you know. Uh, I'm not interly, easily entertained by Mickey Mouse Entertainment, just so you know. That stuff is just, I can't. My mind can't bring myself that low. Now, I do have guilty pleasures. I do watch wrestling. I haven't watched it in a while, but I do watch wrestling. So I will let my mind uh, escape a little bit. Professional wrestling. <laughs> Here's a chart right here. This is called feudalism, uh, the feudal system, which was the old middle evil uh, uh, monarchy system. In which they talk about the social class system. And people often wonder, do we have a social class system today that mimics what we lived in feudalism? Because we might be thinking we are different from these people. We're all the same. We're all Americans, but but not so much, especially with these people. Right now, with the greatest wealth transfer you're seeing in the history of the United States of America, we're getting into this system right now. And, and I would say I would be willing to bet in 100 years we'll be full we'll be fully in some sort of um, system like this, either some sort of pseudo dictatorship, uh, some pseudo uh, monarchy. Uh, the elites will have another three generations to separate themselves from you peasants. And they will have money on top of money and there'll be a, a significantly poor social system. Meaning this middle-class thing that I showed you will be highly, uh, middle-class will be shrunken the elite class will widen slightly and the working class will be pretty much put out and there'll be a bigger, lower class system. All right. That's what, that's what I predict in 100 years and you'll vote for it. You'll, you'll ask for it. <laughs> you'll ask for this type of system. All right. So people that think the United States is going to be up in flames. I don't think so. All right. There's just going to be people who settle for being lower class and, and, and working class and, and in poverty. You'll ask for it, and, and this is just what happened. So anyway, uh, here's what happened. You had monarchies, land gentries here, landowners, dukes. Dukes were often nominated the Duke of Earl, uh, Earls. Um, clergymen. Clergymen were very big. Uh, like I told you, they were, they were part of the people that kept you into, uh, they created the laws in which you operate on. They don't have power anymore, all right? The, the church reverend doesn't as much. Sometimes in the black community, a church reverend will be elevated uh, in, in status, uh, but not so much anymore. The, 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 the clergy has lost their power. All right. The church has lost their power, but you had you had them as one of the most powerful. Like they introduced monogamy to you. They introduced marriage as a system of 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 keeping you in communities and keeping you uh, dedicated to your one so that you can build communities. They kept you doing things like. Uh, be fruitful and multiply for the purposes of keeping the church in power, right? And they kept you producing generations of people, so they they continue. So the church continued to to have parishioners, right? They will be anti early termination of pregnancy because that ruins their bottom line. Okay, it ruins their bottom line. Meaning, if you get to terminate pregnancies, that would be less likely to have young people come through our church. So this is all a system of control. Right. It's a system of control and they had higher status to be able to control those things. And these people, oftentimes the monarch was connected to a church or they were connected to churches so that then they could the, the monarch can tell the church and the clergy people what to tell the people. 
and it was ordained by God. It's a crazy, it's a crazy system, man. It's crazy. So um, you have royal ministers here, merchants, merchants, these would be here, uh, and then you have the vassals, which were the agrarians. That's another system of class division in our in our system that's been in our system for 300 plus years. Agrarian people versus non-agrarian workers, and then everyone else. Where are you in this system? <laughs> Where are you right now? We still have this system now, but you're down here where everyone else is in this system. So you're down here, the workers, the students, the soldiers, and all of these people. This is where most of you guys are. All right, this would be the middle class. This would be the working class and the lower class. This is you. There's pretty much no distinction. These people at the top see you as all the same. These people at the top do not distinguish you in this class system. You're the peons. You get $1,600 in stimulus check. They don't see you as different. And then you have the top professionals. Then the clergy is now de-elevated in our social status to the top professionals. You're just a professional. Uh, doctor, entertainers, you're the top professional. Then the top bureaucrats, judges, you're elevated over these people. Always. You have more power than these people. Uh, elected officials, which would be the president. So they get their marching orders. The president's way down here. They get their marching orders from these people. As you guys know, if you watch the movie documentary that I um, that I suggested that you guys watch, that somebody said you stole that from Tommy. I was like, what? I don't. I don't barely watch him. However, I've been talking about this documentary for years, and I've seen it years ago, which is called "The Men Who Built America." In that, they followed around J.P. Morgan Chase, or yeah, JP Morgan, JP, JP Morgan, not JP Morgan Chase, JP Morgan, um, and um Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie to you layman. Um, Nelson Rockefeller, not Nelson Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. Let me get my names right. What's up with this, Sean? I'm bad with names. John D. Rockefeller and uh the the Commodore Vanderbilt. They followed these men around in their pursuit of the uh in their in their wealth building through the through the industrial revolution post antebellum slavery. And they built significant wealth. And there's a portion of it in which the two competitors, I believe it was Carnegie or Carnegie and Nelson Rockefeller, sorry, John D. Rockefeller got together and basically said, We want political influence. We're gonna buy the next president. They got they bought the next president. In essence, they got together with their money. Here's the big bankers, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Lloyd's, the corporate elite, Fortune 500, multinationalists, and the central bankers who run America. They, they ran America. We sold off to the central bankers a long time ago against the wishes of people, the earlier, con uh, the earlier people in the Constitution, I mean, the earlier frameworkers of the Constitution, namely Thomas Jefferson was against central banks, and later uh, other presidents became against central banks. John F. Kennedy. I think Donald Trump was against them, and you saw what happened to them. <laughs> you saw what happened to all them, all right? Uh, didn't work out for them well because the, the president gets their marching orders from these people. And so in essence, what they did was uh, what Rockefeller and Carnegie did was they got together and they influenced the election so that I believe Woodrow Wilson could assume the presidency. And that's where he lands right here 
and the power of the feudal system or the class system in America. Okay. This happens now so much so that many people can talk about this person on the chart, but we can't even mention the name. You probably don't even know the names of these people here. Matter of fact, if you had a channel that was full of conspiracy theories, and you said that this is the social structure of America, and you start mentioning the names of the people up here as the frameworkers and, and, and runners of America, you probably will get terminated. Wait. You can't talk about these people. You can't even suggest that they have more power than this person. Can't even suggest it. It goes against what most normie Americans are willing to accept. Now, they know it subconsciously. They know it subconsciously that this classism exists in America, but you can't even suggest it. You can't even name the names of these people, nor can you insinuate that these people have more power than this person. You see what I mean? But this is the system that allows this. This is the mindset that allows the system to continue. Now, I'm not saying who who's doing what here, but that's a chart that basically des describes what goes on here going on here. A lot of these people. Somebody said, tell us the names. Mm. A lot of these people, uh, you're, you're accustomed to believing that your president is the one calling the shots, right? It's not so much. He's a part of the, he's a figurehead, essentially. Some people might say a puppet, all right? But that is just how it goes on. The, that person gets their marching orders because money makes the world go wild. And these people have control of the money and they can just dictate. Like, I, I don't know if you guys know at the top of that, they are the ones who are basically saying we're going to raise interest rates X amount of times throughout the year of 2022, right? Nobody can stop them from doing this. <laughs> nobody, nobody on planet Earth, not even the president. The president can't come in and there. Hey, hey, what y'all doing? We can't do that. Nobody. So with that being said, they are the runners of the country. They run it. All right. So anyway. <laughs> so people have to understand what's going on here. By the way, uh, you know, listen, I'm doing this as an educational system. I'm not trying to put the people down who run the, but, but they're, they're literally, you can't even go on CNN and name these people as the influencers, influencers of elections. You can't even say this person put bricks in the, in the, uh, this person that donated to these pe people to allow these people to march and, throw bricks in the windows. You can't even insinuate it. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, it is how it works. It, listen, there's not going to change, by the way. And when I showed you the amount of people that part that, that are at the top of this chain that got money from the PPP loan system, a lot of the people who got PPP loan uh, directly that was meant for the people down here were the people up here. The people up here, some of these elected officials became millionaires over time. They doubled and tripled their money during this time. Uh, so when I tell you in 100 years, the second and third, fourth generations of the people here that are living today, they're going to be in the, they're going to be in a small system of wealthy people. And you're going to be down here. That's where you're going to be. Anyway, with that being said, let me do this. Let me take a pause. I'm just teaching about class here. It's teaching about class <laughs> um, and how it works here and where, where your power is and where the power that you believe you have. You, you guys really don't have much power at all. 
Now, you might think you do. Like I said, uh, you guys don't even own your own kids. You guys have given them up a long time ago. And so what you guys are are parents. You basically, in a class system, you believe you own your kids, but you don't. <laughs> and you never will. Like, you have a little bit of authority over them, but just they could call the police on you, and that'll end all that in 10 seconds. Now, all of a sudden, they're a ward of the state. This is what is called a ward of the state. Then the state gets to dictate their parentage from that point on. That's how quick your power can be removed as a parent. Anyway, no, 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 no. We're not going to name people who I don't want to look up people's names. Don't put their name in here. I already know. I already know. I, I already know the people who do. I don't we don't need to put them in there. <laughs> My eyes look red, by the way. Who's playing that noise in the background? <laughs> um, anyway, a lot of people think that they have power. Man, you guys don't. I mean, I'm telling you, man, you you don't. You're you're at you're hold on for a second. Let me tell you where you are. You're at the bottom right here. That's where you are. <laughs> you started from the bottom, just about all of y'all right here. And then every now and then y'all be able to seep up right here to the second level. That's where most of y'all are. Now, if you guys go to Harvard or Princeton and you pledge your allegiance and then you can start moving up that rung just a little bit more, then you might be able to. But that small percentages. <laughs> small percentages. <laughs> anyway. Don't name people in here. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing about them people. I don't know who y'all talking about. I just worry about my life. Where are we at here? I'm sorry for uh, messing up. Where are we at? Uh, I ended off on Aceto, right? I did. So let me get the people here for social. Uh, he says, uh, this is Jura. Social hierarchy, a point in the ebook I just wrote. Oh, interesting. Congratulations for writing your ebook. So social hierarchy. This this stuff plays a bigger role than the stuff that we literally hear about and see every day. The stuff that we fight about. This is bigger than gender. This is bigger than gender. This is bigger than race and all of this stuff. This has a daily impact on you way more than this other stuff. I mean, this is why I learned to not even worry about that stuff a long time ago. Um, it's crazy. Shout out to working class Dave in the building. Um, Mr. Zen, Christopher Zen says, uh, get ready for the fall, men. It's going to get real. As uh, soon as they turn up the heat, you guys, there's nothing y'all can do. All right. You guys are just going go along to get along, I suppose. But uh, all the marching and protesting ain't going to do nothing. All right. It ain't going to do nothing. All it is is going to probably, I'm not even going to say. Shout out to Dre. He says, poor girls always self-sabotage. Oh, man. We're going to talk about that, how class plays a part when you bring in, if you're upper middle class and you bring in a lower class person into your life. We're going to talk about that because it matters. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So a lot of people who have a poor mindset and not a blue chip mindset, they literally will self-sabotage, they will sabotage themselves because they fear going to the next level. They fear you elevating. They actually will pull you back from elevating. They actually will sabotage themselves and sabotage you. Instead of focusing on them, say, for instance, you marry and divorce somebody and they want to be in a poor mindset or a victim mindset and you want to elevate, they'll do whatever they can to sabotage themselves and you just merely because you connected with them romantically. That's the only thing. That's the only thing you did. 
You tried to bring her mindset up and she's sabotaging you. She can't disconnect for some reason. But because in her world, the fairy tale has been sold to her. And she believed you should have gave her a fairy tale. Well, if it doesn't work out, they, they sabotage you, right? It's crazy. I don't know what it is, but that is when you merge a, uh, uh, bad classes together. You come from two different classes and you merge together in romance and it ends up in sabotage. It's crazy. Shout out to you for, uh, and thank you for that, for that one, uh, because I'm going to talk about that later, how, how difficult that is. And people don't really take that into account. We do subconsciously, but people don't talk about it. Kirby H says, blue chip mindset, shun the greatest, the greatest show on, on, on YouTube. Mr. Easley says, shout out to Stereo Shaheen. Shun was upset, wasn't he? He was speaking the Dunn language on here. He was Dunny. All right. He was like, what's good, he done? All right. He was upset. Shout out to Stereo. I, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for his Arizona Diamondback hat. <laughs> All right. All right. Shout out to the Dodgers and the Angels. Funniest part is in New York is New York City is actually an ish hole now. That's from my man Flex. Um, uh, shithole now. Uh, when was it not? You guys had a period of prosperity in New York City. I actually lived in New York, not New York City. I lived in New York shitty for about two years. I lived in New York for two years, Long Island specifically. New York is a very tough place. Shout out to everybody in New York. It's a tough place. Broken glass everywhere. Be smelling pissy on the streets. <laughs> elevator be piss infested. Shout out to Martin Lawrence. You jump in the elevator. It's old. You know what I mean? Everything's old around there. You don't know how to navigate around. It's not a clear where the hell you're going. <laughs> you can live three blocks away. It's a whole world away. This is why they say, where are you from in New York? You're like, what are you talking about? New York's only yay big. <laughs> oh, I'm from 54th and 45th. Yo, hey, over here. I'm from 54th over here. Bedford Stuyvesant over here. <laughs> You're like, what? What? Brooklyn is this big. What are you talking about? Meanwhile, the next place over, I'm from Benson Hunts over here. Like, it's a block away. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? That shit is like three blocks away. I'm over here on Benson Hurts over here. Yeah, this is how we do it over Benson Hurts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 44th and 55th and 125th Avenue over here. I'm from uptown. I'm from downtown. I'm from Westtown. I'm from over here. <laughs> Shout out to Brooklyn. I'm just joking. New Yorkers are mad at me today. Oh, my God. New Yorkers are pissed. New Yorkers are not going to let me survive today. People wonder how I'm going to disappear. New Yorkers. Mm. I can't even go to New York now. I done dissed them so bad. Yeah, I'm going to get robbed when I get out there to New York. They're going to take me out. They're going to be like, man, the CIA got them. No, it was New Yorkers. <laughs> I'm tired of them. I'm tired of them. Sean, I'm tired of you, Sean. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm going to send you over to Yonkers over here. Shout out to Yonkers. And the Hamptons over here. Yeah, man, they're going to get me. <laughs> they're going to get me. I cannot show up to New York. 
All right, I got shot five times, but I'm still breathing. I can't even go to, I can't even go to the Harlem over there. Over here. Okay, shout out to New York. Sorry, man. New York is going to be mad as hell. And shout out to the women in New York. Boy, hey, man, do not date. If you're not from New York, if you're not from New York, do not date women from New York. Do not date women from New York. These women are strong-armed. You just don't know. These are a different breed of woman. A different breed. I mean, you don't know it until you know it. If you one of these weak-ass California dudes and you run up on a New York woman, oh, she looked fine. Look at that pretty Puerto Rican. Oh, she got her feet. You come up to her. <clears throat> Excuse me, ma'am. You come up to you. You all jiggy. You know what I mean? You got your flavor. You about to hit her with some California game. How you doing, ma'am? She going to turn around. Boy, what the hell you want? Girl, I'm from Jenny from the block. She start calling him. You're like, Lord have mercy. She pull her knife out, stab you, stick up, kids is out the jack. Like, whoa. She pull her razor blade out. You're like, Lord have mercy. She got five kids. Tony come around the corner with his hat. No, Rodimez come around the corner. Yo, what's up over here? Shout out to Rodimez. Do not mess with New York women. All right, New York women, are, they're a different breed. Shout out to Rodimez too. Uh, we're just having fun today. In Tech One says, P-L-A-A-S, peace leave. He says, peace leave as a service is coming. It is. Once they regulate it, once they regulate it, it will be. <laughs> it will be. It definitely is coming. And a lot of people are already doing it. A lot of women are already integrated into that lifestyle where they're selling a bit and men are buying a bit. And it's going to be more popular. It's going to be, I mean, they're really just going to, no one's going to look the other way. Uh, until the religious awakening. Jay Flo investing in some lead because of Biden. Shout out to the coach gang. Lead, I guess, is it. All right. Brian, uh, who is it? We're going to call you BT is in the building. You're such a good man, coach. You're such a good man. I'm a good man around here. Uh, the class distinction is uh, happening. So, oh, we got a couple more. Shout out to v Vic M, longtime ninja watcher. Thank you, sir. And we're going to call you Osiris J. Shout out to the nasty boys in CGA. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, women will embrace this lifestyle of selling segs to get by, to patch themselves up. I mean, gas is going too high. And they're going to call it dating. They're just going to say we're dating. And, you know, I'm living my best life. I prefer to be single. And, uh, guys, if they prefer to be single, it doesn't mean they're not giving it up. And, they, and many times... They really just want to get they 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 want to give it up, but they'll just give it up to the highest bidder. Guys, I'm telling you, man. I, once you go to this dark side and see it, you cannot unsee it. You become very. You start looking at everybody. Uh, we talked about this with highly attractive women. Highly attractive women have already broached this lifestyle and lived this lifestyle to an extent. Go back and see the video. I know you're like, what? Just walking on the street? No, it, it's more than that. It's more than that. When you get into waitressing and all of these things, these things lead to uh, situations where they get propositioned and they think about it. Hmm. But uh, shout out to Leo K. Morning coach in the Bloomberg article this morning. A survey found that Americans making $250,000 were living paycheck to paycheck. Yes, sir. He says, keep up. Keeping up with the Joneses is a terrible strategy. One thing that I want to tell you guys about, and I'm glad you brought that up. And a lot of people don't understand. Um, 
you cannot keep up with the upper class people. Most upper class new money people have already lived that life 10 times over to the point it doesn't impress them. Uh, you guys can talk about your Turks and Caicos as if you went to it now. They've already been there. They actually own property in Turks and Caicos. They're like, mm, you just went last year. Fantastic. You know what I mean? Name dropping them means nothing because they are the name. People name drop them. But when you go down to the new money upper class, upper class people and the new money upper middle class people, all these things matter. But you cannot keep up. I actually witnessed this when I was uh, training here. And um, I had clients that all had similar types of uh, Range Rovers in um there was a certain type of, uh, yeah, it was like Range Rover, and there, there was another vehicle that the soccer moms had. And I trained in this gated community. Most of the people that I trained were, I went to them in their gated community. And so I would see their parking lots. I would see their, not parking lots, they didn't have parking lots. I would see their, their carports and their garages. And most of them all had the same thing. Now, five years later, I'm continuing to train in these areas. The cars all switched. One day, one soccer mom came in with a Chevy Tahoe or a Denali, right? It was one of those vehicles. When previously it was the Range Rover and there was another vehicle that just slipped in my mind, right? Then all of a sudden, one soccer mom came in with the Denali. And I was like, that's interesting. That's different than the other cars you guys were driving. Next damn month and the month after that, and the month after that, sure enough, big-ass Denali. Then the next one, Denali. Next one, Denali. What the fuck just happened here? They followed each other. They copied each other. Same thing with the Teslas, these goofy people. That's why I don't like Teslas. Where I'm from, goofy people drive them. Old people drive them. They think they're doing all good. I'm doing good for society. The lower-middle-class people will drive Subarus in, in, in uh, Toyota. Toyota, what's the plug-in one? Toyota hybrid, whatever that one is, that's that's a lower middle class car. Uh, but um, what tends to happen is when you want to elevate into a status, try to keep up with them, you're often four years behind. Prius is the truck. Yeah, the car. Prius. They got the Prius. Lower middle class is Prius and Super. This is a good car. They think they're doing good for the environment and whatnot, right? So what happens is you come in now. You finally made it. You finally got to $250,000 a year. You can easily afford a payment for the car that you want now that can make you fit in with the middle class structure. It's uh, specifically the upper middle class. Soon as your ass buy the car that is indicative of the upper middle class, they switch it on your ass. They switch it. Soon as you say, damn, I'm finally can afford their Land Rover, and you go right to the Land Rover deal. <laughs> Soon as your ass buy that car, plunk, and you drive it off the lot, and you get back home with pride, you park it in your leased house in their upper middle class neighborhood. Soon as you park it in the driveway, they come right around the corner with something else. And then they all switch on your ass. And now you driving the old car again. Mm. I'm letting you know, bro, that shit. It works just like that. you like, huh? Not only did you buy the Range Rover, you, brought, you bought a, a Range Rover that was three years old because that's what you can afford.
You're like, I'll buy the old three-year-old Range Rover. And then they change the body style on you. Soon as they change the body style on you, you got the old ass Range Rover. <laughs> you like, huh? What? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a game that keeping up with the Joneses, be careful. Because the, the message that I want to tell you is you can't keep up. No matter what you do, you will jump over to one thing and try to class compete with them. And they'll say, but you don't have. Oh, you got that, but you don't have. You got that, but you haven't been to Europe. Right? You can't keep up with them. Do not compete with them. And if they have just enough money or they've been in their like second generation, third generation into the system in your first generation, and you're barely just getting by to try to qualify for upper middle class, you can't keep up. You're going you're gonna to run yourself ragged. <laughs> Not only that, you don't even know how they got their money because you're like, what do they even do? This person's a dentist. She a stay-at-home mom. you like, how they making it? Then you don't know that they're third-generation old money, that they're maybe potentially trust fund family or they had an inheritance. Oh, I actually have. I can't tell the name specifically, but I had a client. I had a client that you would look at the structure of their family and you would think that she was a she was a lower class woman, not a lower class. She was a middle class woman and she married a guy. That elevated to a doctor level. All right, let's just say he was a doctor and she was a stay at home mom. And then you were looking like. OK, he can't make them. But when you go down deep, I actually found something out about them. I actually found out something out about them. And I can't name it because this will really give it away. But the wife, the wife was educated, well-educated. There's a white woman. One, time, one day she broke out in full Spanish. You would never even know that she was a blonde, blue-eyed wife, woman, little woman. And then the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you a story. It's story time. Um, one day the, the workers were the gardeners, the gardeners, the landscapers, the landscapers were working on her stuff. And they was talking in Spanish. And then she saw them and she broke out in full ass Spanish talking to them. Them gardeners froze up like a mug. I froze up. I looked at her like. I was like, boy, they didn't know that. They didn't know you knew full ass Spanish. And she was just saying, no, 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 no. She said, no, 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 something like that. And Hector and Julio froze up, looked at her. And then they started talking back to her. She started talking back. I'm looking at her, looking at them, looking at her, looking at them. I was like, what the hell happened? Well, anyway, <laughs> he was like, poor K. I was shook. They were shook. Anyway, the funny thing was her family were, she was the grandchild of a fast food restaurant, famous, famous fast food restaurant person. Like he's, I can't even name it. But that's where the money came from. It, it. He, the dude, the husband was doing well, but she came from a family that had money, but she was a stay at home mom. You wouldn't even know like, but that happens all the time. And people don't understand that those type of situations happen in the blue chip mindset all the time. 
where you think she just came in and found him at college and she came from nothing. And then he came and got his doctor or engineer doctor job and they rose up. But many times the wife came from good family too. And they merged together and they had a, uh, uh, they had a nest egg. They had an inheritance. They had a trust fund. They had something else that came from the wife's family. And so thus, then she could be stay-at-home mom and raise the kids. I was like, whoa. When I pieced all that together, and it took years for me to piece it together. Like, we never really talked about it. I don't talk about that. But I literally was like, wow. When I pieced it all together, my head was spinning. I was like, whoa, that's literally a blue chip merger. That's a family merger. That's how the elites, this is why when, when, when I talk about marriage, that stuff don't affect them. The elites, and they're elite, the, the elite blue chippers, they'll get married and divorced and keep on marching. They'll get married, divorced, keep on marching. This little stuff we talking about don't affect them. They're like, we, they don't even watch us. They don't even watch this stuff. They're like, man, we just arranged this marriage. It works. The husband goes and cheats. She probably bangs the gardener. Who knows? But these are all arranged marriages. And again, in our class system, we have arranged marriages. Only the lower middle class through the working class believes in fantasy love marriage. Of course, they're in love, but they probably grew to love each other, but they were merging together, which brings me to this point. Relationships and marriage in a class system, you would basically disrupt your class system by merging with someone of a different class. And it happens all the time. Now, people will obviously say with race, if a black person, if a white woman married a black person and, and she was rich and they were poor, that would be too obvious. Same thing is the other way around. If even a regular middle-class white woman marries a lower-class uh, black man, it, it, people will be like, what are you doing? So typically, a, a, a middle-class white woman's gonna marry, if she does marry somebody outside of a race, he's going to be middle class. He's not going to be Ray Ray. She might mess around with Ray Ray, but she ain't never bringing him to the family. If she does bring one to the family, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be somebody, OJ Simpson. Well, that didn't work out, but it's going to be somebody where he's upper middle class. He's transcendent or he's on his way to transcend. He's got a stable job. He's lower to upper middle class. Same thing with men. Men can ruin their families if he comes from old money and upper class and he brings in a harlot that is working class or lower class. Do you hear what I'm saying? If he's upper class old money and he brings in a harlot, a street worker, a tramp from the lower class, just making it, she's going to come in and ruin this guy or the lower middle class, he will literally do it. And now I'm going to tell you, somebody said, Henry and Meghan Markle, I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of my examples. In the, in the class system over in the United Kingdom, that is essentially what Henry did with Meghan Markle. Now, in our world, we look at it as a race issue and they're trying to make it a race issue. issue. It had nothing to do with race. They're in a upper, upper class society and he married a divorced American black woman who was lower to middle class, uh, lower to upper middle class American. I mean, she's American. I mean, she had chink after chink after chink after chink. She had American, 
She had a black American. She had a middle class because she was just merely a class D celebrity. She was a former married, divorced. I mean, how much more of a lower, how much more of a harlot can you be? I mean, they're like, what are you doing? Matter of fact, it was already done in their system before. Henry, uh, I'm sorry, King Edward VIII did the exact same thing in which he brought down, he married an American socialite. Now, in the class system of a monarchy in which the monarchies in a feudal system are at the top, he married an American socialite, which is somewhere near the bottom. Let's go ahead and show you again. Here we go. So what, what King Harry, I'm sorry, what King Edward VIII did, this is in the 1930s, not too long ago. He abdicated the throne for this woman. He was a monarch. Let's go ahead and show this here. This is a class story, the story of social class. Hold on for a second. Here he is. Edward III was a monarch. He was the king of England. He married a two-time divorced American socialite down here. <laughs> she married, he, he married down here. She was a socialite, which was, means she was just married high up. But she married high up, higher up, higher up, higher up. She moved her way up the rung through marriage. He married her. They told his ass she was a flapper. She was a flapper. <laughs> oh my lord, she was a flapper. She married he basically married a flapper. They told him, "You're the king of England. You cannot <laughs> marry her constitutionally. Pick one of these other women that have been trained, these one of these peasants or one of these middle-class blue bloods that have been trained to be wives. You can't marry her." He married her. And as a result, they was like, you got to go. And he abdicated the throne. This is an example of a higher class person marrying a lower class person or marrying anywhere near a harlot, right? <clears throat> They're going to bust it up. They're going to say, no, you can't do that. Why? Because that person's mindset is going to ruin us. What would they be more likely to do? They're going to reveal the inner secrets. What has Meghan Markle done? She went over there, she got all the info, and she brought it all back over here with the damn prince and then start talking. You can't do that in a class system. The class system exists even, uh, the class system exists with inside information. If they wanted the information out, they would put it out. Even the secrets, even though they may be racist or whatever you want to call them, New World Order or whatever you want, they don't want these people coming in telling the secrets. They don't want you spilling the tea. That's why they don't want you there. It doesn't have anything to do with you being a certain race, although that didn't help. It had to do with you being a low-class individual. Even though you think I'm an American, I'm an upper-classman, you still ain't upper-class. You're upper-middle-class, but you ain't upper-class. So when you merge with people from different classes, Many times there could be a culture clash in which when things can happen where they say, well, I don't understand why you do this. Well, I do this because the people in my class, this is how I stay in this class system. So I can't do this. Well, I don't understand. I know you don't understand. That's why you're in the lower class. That's why you're in the lower middle class. 
you'll never understand it. Why do you do this as an entrepreneur? Why don't you get a safe, stable job? Nobody in my family has a safe, stable job in the upper middle class or the upper class. We all have family structures or businesses that we're going to pass down. I'm not going to go start my own thing. You can do it, but if you want to stay in that mindset, you're going to sabotage me going forward. You see what I mean? This is going to be situations where this culture clash will come in, and it will come in with racial backgrounds as well, too. You might have love, but the culture class is what's going to sabotage you. Okay, let me talk about this right here. Let's talk about this. Um, money doesn't make you classy, though. We just have to talk about this real quick. So when we talk about class, money doesn't often determine if you're classy. So that's one thing. A lot of times old money will appear way more classy. Sometimes they will be appear dysfunctional, but they will keep their dysfunction hidden from you people. They're not going to be out here on the damn uh, cover of, um, you know, those little rag magazines. They will have their dysfunction <clears throat> and they will try to hold it from within. But you and your dysfunction, you put your dysfunction out on Facebook. That would be low class. You put your problems and issues out on Facebook, an upper class or an upper middle class person would never do that. That distinguishes class. So it's not necessarily money. It's basically what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And a lot of times reputation is the most important thing when it comes to class. It's reputation. So a working class person can have a better reputation and bigger, better class than the upper middle class new money person. An upper middle class new money person will do stupid stuff like buy all these things and, and wear designer bags for no reason and, and get Rolex watches for no reason. Yeah, I mean, these are things that you should obtain if you have the money to do so. But many times you don't really have the money to do so and you're doing it without thinking ahead, right? And so you brag about some of the things that you have because, of course, you have new money. You want to brag. But people that have more class don't brag even though they obtain it. Now, of course, you got to show show off a little bit, but showing off everything is not going to be good. Then you become a target. Then people want to steal and rob from you because you're bragging too much, right? Or people become haters. Well, you can't hate on people when they act like they ain't got it. I ain't got no money. Many times these people live way below their means who have class and prestige and have a reputation. They don't live way above their means, but people who are have bad reputations, people who don't care about their reputation, people who are on survival instinct, people who are braggarts, people who have new money, they tend to put their reputation out. And there's a phrase called reputation, your reputation precedes you, meaning the person knows about your reputation before you show up. That could be positive and negative. A low-class individual's reputation precedes them. I can hear your ass coming around the corner. Not only can I hear your ass coming around the corner with your loud-ass stereo, through my gated neighborhood, I can also tell you that people have told me about you in your low-class individual ass, in your in your yelling ass and high yelling ass voice and loud. Yeah, six in the morning, you loud. Twelve in the midnight, you loud in the neighborhood. I gotta be like, shh, and then you. Ah, ah, that's low class. <laughs> okay, their reputation means something. An upper middle class new person, new money person doesn't care about their reputation. They might even tell you off because they have new money. They might even act the worst 
in 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 high class situations. You're going to a high class function. A new money person with a bad reputation might chew out the wait staff. They might be rude to the waiters. They might be rude to the valet. They might throw the keys at the valet. They might be mad because the valet didn't do certain things and they're making a scene outside. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that is basically what happens between class people. So person with higher class, they may not have as much money, but they know how to behave because their reputation means something. Sometimes this happens with working class people versus middle class people. Working class people tend to be job people. Middle class people tend to be career people. At a football game, working class people merge with middle class people. Upper class people have suites or they're down low, way on the damn floor. Your ass is in the 100, 200, 300 section, merging with working and middle class people. Well, working class people will start a fight with you. Middle, middle class people will probably not want to fight because the first thing they're going to think of is I'm going to lose my career. But the working class person says, I just have a job at Home Depot. I don't care. Put them up. Put your dukes up. That is a class distinction. Then when you throw race on top of that and gender on top of that, it probably started with class mentality before it started with the race and the gender. This is how class works. It's a mindset. Home Depot dude ready to throw down. He don't care. He can get another job at Ace Hardware after he gets fired for boxing you at Home Depot. He don't care. Career guy, you're thinking about not ruining your prestige and not ruining your suburban existence, and you're not going to engage in the fight. Put them up. Put them up. <laughs> so these are all class distinctions that play a role in our daily life every day, and it's all a mentality. It's all a mentality. Matter of fact, the working class person might know your upper or lower middle class and intentionally engage with you in an effort to get you to lose your job. And they'll be all on Twitter saying, ha ha, we got you fired. Ha ha, we got you canceled. Ha ha, you lost your livelihood because I brought you down to this level. Right? This happens all the time, right? You'll engage with somebody and to disrupt their life. And because you don't have it, you will make them lose their livelihood because you don't have it. That is a lower class mindset. That's a class mindset. We do this all the time. Cancel culture is the lower class bringing down the upper class. This is a means to destroy their reputation and their means to support themselves. I don't agree with you, so I'm low class. I'm going to bring you down a class. That's cancel culture. That's a class system. That has nothing to do with race or anything else. That's a class distinction, a class warfare. Okay, uh, let me see here. Yeah, crab in a bucket syndrome, right? Uh, it's basically to ruin you. If I can't have it, you can't have it either. Uh, let's see here. We talked about relationships. Uh, we talked about class and all of that stuff. Behavior, money doesn't distinguish class, but oftentimes does, unfortunately. Let's talk about uh, men. Who, let's talk about money where, where people thought money mattered. And um, essentially, that's, that's Prince Harry. Essentially, we'll show you this. There have been people who came from a class of people that were told that it's impossible for you to get rich and wealthy because you are 
black, female, or whatever, right? You come from a social minority. But then what will happen is the a person from that social minority will become wealthy. But because of their mindset or how they achieve the wealth, they will still maintain the status of the, or the mentality of the class that they came from. Do you get what I mean? Now, this is a story of Will Smith. This typically has, happens to rappers and athletes. A rapper or an athlete will get money, become new money, then they'll go into the upper class or upper middle class, but they'll still maintain the mentality of a lower class or working class or individual. Or they'll do the mistake of all mistakes. What they'll do is they'll bring lower class people with them when they get their money. All right, so this is how the class mentality works. So when they get their money, they say, hey, I'm going to bring everybody up with me. But those people don't have money. They're basically living off parasitically the upper class person now. But they never change their mentality. They never change their mentality. You still think you're one of them. Or you have guilt that tells you that I don't want to change and leave these people behind. Let's go ahead and show you a couple examples of that. So money doesn't matter. It's the mentality. Uh, this is Allen Iverson. And before I talk about Allen Iverson, I want to preface this because somebody's going to say about the Reebok deal that one of his agents and his friends established for him to prevent him from going broke, in which he did. And the one thing that saved him was his deal with Reebok. So I'm going to tell you, I already know and am aware of his deal with Reebok, which saved his ass. But this is an example of someone who was Lower class mentality wise, he got paid in excess of $200 million. And the fact that he never changed his mentality forced him to blow through all $200 million because he wanted to be a savior to the people who never changed their mentality. Not only did they never change their mentality, they never touched the money. They only touched the money through him but they maintain their lower class mentality. This is a class story. It's not about race. This is a class mentality story. This is something that rich people never do, despite the fact that they have excessive money. They never think to go give it back to lower class people. They say they got to earn it themselves. So here it is right here. Allen Iverson, uh, he had a 14-year uh, NBA career, reportedly earned $154 million, life-changing money life-changing money, and he had an endorsement deal that brought in an additional $46 million with Reebok on a lifetime contract. We'll come back to that. And then we'll go ahead and scoot all the way down. We know where he came from and whatnot. Uh, they're going to talk about his careless spending habits. He was known to have an entourage many times of 8 to 30 people, damn near all the time, <laughs> okay? Damn near all the time. And it says right here, more than 60% of NBA players go broke within the first five years of leaving the league. Many of it through child support, divorce, and paying back your homies. He was a baller in every sense of the world with a lavish lifestyle and extravagant taste. Iverson spent his money like he had an endless supply. He made horrible financial decisions, and no one held him accountable. Allegedly, friends and family enjoyed the gifts bestowed upon them 
So they did not question him. He was a man out of control. Uh, Iverson owned million dollar mansions, expensive jewelry and designer clothes. He prized his prized possessions were his Bentley uh, Continental GT and his Maybach, 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 Maybach music cars. And it says right here, uh, he liked to party and was frequently seen throwing money around Philadelphia's hotspots. It's reported that Iverson blew $1 million in one night while gambling at an Atlantic City casino. One time, he forgot where his car, uh, he parked his car, so he bought a new one. So he he forgot where he parked his car, so he bought a new one. Uh, the retired athlete's monthly expenses far outweighed his income. In 2012, uh, TMZ reported that Iverson was going into debt to the tune of $300,000 per month while he spent an insane amount of money on clothes, dining out, entertainment, and more. Getting down to the Reebok deal. Oh, he has legal troubles as well, Well, which is another thing that a low-class person with money will get into. You'll start speeding. Uh, Henry Ruggs was an example of this. He got money. He got a good deal. He got out of poverty in Alabama. He bought a Corvette, and he drove it 150 miles down the street, killing someone, and now he lost everything. It's mentality. You had your chance. You hit the lottery, in essence, and you blew it. Has nothing to do with race. It's a mentality. Let's go ahead and say it right here. He shared a, a legal. He said he had a share of legal troubles, but uh, he always managed to emerge unscathed. Yeah. Well, you, when you have money, you can pay off the system. Says he was arrested for drug dealing, which I'm not sure, but that was probably people around him that were drug dealing. Just think about Young Thug and Gunna. Same thing. Low class mentality with money, and you blow it. Then in 1993, the high schooler. Oh, we won't mention that. Uh, that was a plump, bad deal. Um, and it says right here, after a successful NBA career, it seemed like Iverson had hit hard times once more. In 2012, he and his wife, Tamika, had a bitter divorce and a custody battle. That's how you're going to part ways with most of your money. Uh, she sued him for unpaid child support and violations of a prenuptial agreement. When Iverson turned 55, Tawana, Tawana, Tawana. See, this is why you can't bring Tawanas up with you. Not saying she's a bad person, but I've seen her. Uh, this is not indicative of a person of upper middle to upper class. You cannot merge these worlds. You cannot. I know you want to say they're both black and she brought the black women up. No. Tawana didn't make the money. So she's not going to change her mentality. Tawana got to stay where she is. I'm sorry. She got to stay where she is. Thank you, Tawana, for the good years. Stay your ass here. I'll take care of you. I'll buy you a house somewhere in the middle of Virginia. All right. You'll have it nice. You'll be my side chick, but I can't be, be I can't be rolling with you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tawana. It says Tawana will get half of it says right here. When Iverson turns 55, Tawana will get half of his earnings from his rebound contract. <laughs> Tawana didn't do nothing but lie down on her back and produce children. Speaking of the rebound contract here, oh, we'll get to this one. Courts also seized the NBA star's bank account to pay off a debt of $860,000 owed to the jeweler. And two of his houses went in foreclosure. Iverson's excessive drinking resulted in several altercations. Of course, this is the altercations that we talk about that low class, low reputation people have in an effort to keep their reputation or their, their street cred and unpaid gambling debts left, left him banned from 
Atlantic City casinos. Boy, that's $200 million right there down the drain. And it says right here about the rebound contract. So we'll give you a here. Um, we'll give you something that exactly is helping him out. It says right here, um, unlike most professional athletes who spiral uh, into ruins, Iverson managed to hold on to one remaining egg from the Golden Goose, the lifetime contract he signed with Reebok, which will pay out to the tune of $32 million in the year 2030. In the year 2030. So he's got eight more years, which he's probably going, Lord, he probably already went to J.G. Wentworth and sold this money out, I'm sure. I'm sure J.G. Wentworth getting half of that money. Tawana's getting half of that money, and he's probably going to get a small percentage at this point. What happened was he will, uh, in the meantime, he still gets paid $800,000 per year from that incredible deal. Reebok made a horrible deal. <laughs> yeah, if he survives, if he's still alive. I mean, by 2030, at age 45, Iverson is also eligible to start withdrawing from his NBA pension. Um, how is he? How old is he now? So, oh, so okay. How old is he now? Okay, he when he turns fifty five, Tawani will get half of the Reebok contract. So, wow, yay! So he's around forty seven. So the lifetime contract that he's going to get from Reebok at thirty two million, Tawana's going to get sixteen million of it. Sheesh. He's 46 now. Hi, yi, yi. So when he turns 45, because he was married to Tawana and they signed the deal, Tawana gets 16 mil of the 32 mil. Ay, yi, yi. Woo. Okay, let's I, that story's actually painful. Goodness. All right, what about this one? Will Smith. So during the years of his rapping career will smith earned i don't know how much money probably was barely a million bucks he probably had a bad recording deal but he produced several albums as the fresh prince uh jazzy jeff and the fresh prince right and so during that time he was trying to get into the movie business and i'm going to get to the cash apps after this he's trying to get into the movie and the acting world at that time he was broke and he explained that during these times he was taking people to the mall, shopping, buying them sneakers, and pretty much burning through the money, okay? MC Hammer has had this similar situation in which he thought it was upon him to play um, the saver to Oakland in which he would bring a lot of people on tour with him and give them jobs that really didn't mean anything, and he blew through the money, leading to his first bankruptcy, which he wasn't broke, but he was bankrupt through poor investments into people who never returned the money back. This is the problem with welfare. Welfare is intended to get people on their feet so these people can put back into the system of taxation and work. But oftentimes to what well, people on welfare do, unfortunately, is they say, this is a system that I can live off of and they have no intentions of putting back socially. So the system never recoups any of the money that they give into the welfare. It just provides them uh, people with an incentive to maintain welfare status. This is the main problem with welfare. It's not that people are bad people. It's that they say, I can, live a I can live in a standard of living where I can afford to be on this system long enough to never put back into the system. The system and cities never recoup the money back 
in the investment they make into the people. So this is what MC Hammer did. This is what Allen Iverson did. This is what Will Smith did. They gave money to people who never gave it back in any sort of way. Okay. He says right here, he's broke and he had to borrow $10,000 from a drug dealer after he went broke for not paying taxes, which is another thing that will get you. Taxes will get that ass. Will Smith shared his uh, past financial troubles during a Tuesday book tour appearance in London. He said he had to borrow 10K from a friend who was a drug dealer after racking up tax debt. This was, he said, Smith said he sold everything and moved to LA after receiving the money. And this led to his movie career. He left Philadelphia. This led to his job um, on the TV show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So while he was on the TV show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was broke. How do I know? Well, he says so. Let me go down to this one. The King Richard star said he almost declared bankruptcy before ultimately moving to Los Angeles Los Angeles, and winning the lead role on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. According to Will Smith, a biography, that's his book, the IRS garnished 70% of his salary over the first three seasons of the show. This is what he says. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but that's a terrible story from a guy who was earned, I would say probably up to a million dollars. He probably earned up to a million dollars at that point being a rapper. He was already well-known in a certain social circle before he got on that show, and he blew through that money doing what? Trying to help lower-class people. Look, the message is this. Do not... When you start making money, have a sense of help, uh, rescuing people who never change their mentality. Because all you're going to do is reward them and give them basically what you're assuming is a loan. You're just make, giving them a gift and they are never going to pay it back. And don't think of asking for it back because you're going to fracture the friendship. All right, I'm going to go to PayPal's. Then we're going to talk about uh, dating again and talk about what the average woman is doing in this class system. And why is it imperative for you to know that not all women, I don't care how she looks or what she is. If you're from a different class, she should be untouchable to you. Okay? There's several movies that have talked about this, namely um, Goodfellas and all of these people who are going to sabotage you because they have bad habits. And they're waiting for you as a miracle. And then oftentimes they're going to sabotage you because they have a poor mentality. They never see themselves as being wealthy, but you do. But they never want to do the work to get to the wealth that they have to bring to you. They just want to ride your coattails, and their bad habits are going to cost you. All right, shout out to uh, Harold Lagarmi. He says, Wall Street bankers told the U.S. in the early 1900s hundreds to occupy and blackmail Haiti. Interesting there, this banking system, the bank owners of America have been owning the banks since somewhere mid, I want to say, I want to say the United States war with, um, I want to say Spain or France, I'm not sure, uh, where they finance both sides of the war. And uh, the banks then start owning the United States. And there's several things that give you the sense that there's ownership there 
which I'm not going to cover. All right. Um, we could cover that another time, but I'll have to do a little bit more research. I don't know it off the top of my head. But people do know it. Uh, Van says, I'll never live with a woman. I go through hell living as an as an American resident. I go through hell living at an American resident female family member's place. Okay, that was a mouthful. Big ups to coach and thanks for the opportunity. Avery Vans does the timestamps from all the way in Jamaica. And he's saying he lives with a female that gives him hell. Right. So I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know if she owns the place and he's renting out a room. I'm not sure. Uh, who is this? Gabriel says, this is something that I thought about when they started to demonetize YouTube. And he says they don't want to they don't want too many lower class people to become millionaires, especially if they are smart. Thanks, coach. The only names you get right are the government names. Oh, sorry. That's all. Yeah. Um, that that is a base. That is a good i good thought process because people who people have been managing in the last five years to become very wealthy on YouTube as a platform that people are you're just YouTube money guys. I mean YouTube is new money. All right, um, YouTube is new money just as the industrial revolution was new money to um, to the people back then. Or to the agrarians that said, well, are these people selling still? Still will never be anything. New money is like the dot-com bubble, the dot-com people making dot-com money back in the early 2000s. Okay, that's how people are going to make money. So Bill Gates is a goofball for making money the way he made money through technology and dot-com and whatnot and for, so forth and so on. So YouTube is the new industrial revolution okay, or social media. And what he's saying is now that people are getting money in a bag off of this and they can't control 100% what these people are going to do and say, they're going to find a way to do it. They're going to find a way to do it. And how they do it is they, they, they slow you down in your reach. They slow you down in, in your ability to do it. Uh, I always, always say, man, I, I tell my members that anytime I reach a certain threshold on this platform, I get immediately, they bite, they bite back. And I always know, I'm like, oh, I see the number and I'm like, something's going to happen. And it, and it does. I'm like, something must trigger their system where they go, dang, this person made this. What do they do? And they come review it. I don't know. That's inside information. I don't know. But there's a certain threshold that's met. And then all, the money, all of a sudden, something happens every single time. And I go, damn, it's happened twice. <laughs> But I don't know what it is. Somebody says people turning multimillionaires through YouTube. 100%. Uh, people do try to diss, oh, you made your money through YouTube. I mean, as if you're dumb for doing that. Okay. You made your money through gold, uh, the gold and the gold rush and the oil. <laughs> like, look, however people make money, they made the money in a way that you were scared to do during the time that it was people were making money doing it, right? You made your money during OnlyFans. Sounds like they're smart. You were just unwilling to do it. Just say that. <laughs> you were too scared to do it, you goofball, and now you missed out on the boat. What's wrong with that? How you make your money 
should not be distinguished as, well, you had to do this to make your money. And they made the money. I often cringe at people who use that as a criticism. You goofball. They were smart. And you were not. Let's just call it that. Don't forget the BX coach. Shout out to the boogie down Bronx. All right. Uh, the, the BX had to check in. Maybe the Bronx people will save me. He says, I got a 700 square foot property worth more than the McMansions in other cities. I'm about to sell 25 acres in North Kakalaki to buy a duplex in the boogie down. Shout out to you. So you are ahead of the game. Uh, definitely the land location, location, location. Congratulations to you over in the boogie down. All right. Um, maybe the Bronx people will keep me alive if I go to New York. Congratulations on your success. He's got 25 acres, probably passed down through fam family. I'm not sure. And um, maybe he owned it himself. I'm not sure. But that's in a position. He's got a blue chip mindset, right? He's in a position that most Americans are not. I would say he's upper middle class. And uh, with that, he might be working class. Might be. I'm not sure. I like when people win. So when people win, haters will demean you for winning in a certain way. Or they will feel that they can control your pace of winning. Uh, I often tell people, sometimes it's too late to derail a person. They have enough momentum. And they have a, they have a lifestyle that they haven't lived outside of their means. Where... It doesn't matter. Like, you know, I always tell them, like, it's too late. I am already have the momentum. I kind of have a name. Um, I can move to another place or change the way I earn, and it'll be okay. I don't live outside of my means enough to go, damn, I'm screwed. You know, if I bought, like, eight cars and I bought a big old fancy mansion and then I got demonetized, then I would be like, oh, no. But I never did. I just sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. And there's other ways that I, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk so much about it, but there's other ways that I, it happens for me. So uh, when I told people, I was like, it's too late now. All right. I have momentum. <laughs> momentum. Somebody says 200 K to 1 million is upper middle class. Um, the upper middle class ex extends probably to higher than that. I would venture to say, just as an opinion, the upper class people, let me put up the graph because you might have been late. You might have been late. Like I always tell people, yes, people say I'm frugal. I Look, I'm not flashy. <laughs> I mean, I have the Porsche. That's probably about the only damn thing that I went off and was like, I got to get that. <laughs> but other than that, I don't have no Rolex watches and all that shit. <laughs> I got a couple Louis pieces. I didn't go out and get flashy suits and, and all kind of gators and all that stuff. I didn't do it. I would venture to say here, according to this chart, I would venture to say you got to be approaching 25 million or at least have a property worth 25 million to be in the upper class. That's just my opinion. If you ain't talking about, if you ain't talking about 20 million, forget it. Somebody says, coach, where the bling being in his ear? Nope. Yep, dude, that, that's Claire's. These are fake. I'll be damned if I ever buy expensive ass earrings. All right. So you can lose them. I buy my earrings at Claire's. <laughs> and these are the same earrings I've been buying. I probably bought these on Amazon with a pack for a pack of 20, 20 fakies. I would venture to say $20 million and up 
for upper class. 25 million and up. If you ain't in that, you're in the you're in the upper middle class. <laughs> that's all I said. That, that's just my opinion. This the, to get to this upper class, you gotta have you gotta have a bag. You gotta have a bag. Uh, so if you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you're at the bottom of the upper middle class. You're at the bottom. Like you got to go yo ass to work next. So you at the bottom of the upper middle class, especially if it's new money, because you're paying off debt from your old broke years at two fifty a year. That's just my opinion. Okay, then when you go all the way up, there's people in the upper middle class that probably got $10 million in some sort of way. It's not liquid $10 million. It's not liquid $10 million. They, they're worth $10 million, but they're it's diced up. They got a couple properties over here. They got investments, stock accounts, 401ks, and IRAs, and you know their wife came in with her job. It ain't liquid moving $10 million. Let's just say this. Um, to be in the upper class, you got to get be able to get liquid. Uh, if somebody took your kids for ransom, you got to get liquid uh, for a meal right away. <laughs> you got to be able to pull a meal out in less than 24 to 48 hours. Liquid. If you can't do that, you ain't in the upper class. You're in the upper middle class. Okay. You got to have passive money coming in, right? <laughs> I mean that that upper class is for, look at just look at the percentages. Upper class represents, and they're saying three point six percent of people in America. All right, I venture to say we're talking about one to two percent. All right, that's probably very generous. Okay, upper middle class starts at two fifty, and let me just qualify that. That's two fifty in a major city. Most people don't make two fifty in minor cities. And in lower small towns, there are people that do not very many. And if they are in a small town, that's their vacation home or a secondary or a tertiary home. It's not their main home. Okay. I know people in small towns that have big money and they have ranches in the middle of Wyoming and they don't live there all the time. All right. They live somewhere else in Denver. <laughs> okay. They don't live there all the time. But um, um, with that being said, 250 in one of these major metroplexes, you're still hovering near broke. <laughs> right? 250. You make 250 in LA, DC, Chicago, Miami, New York, maybe not Houston. Houston, Texas, pretty much you can probably get by. You make 250 in these people, and don't let it be combined household income, meaning your wife contributes 250 to I mean, contribute some to the 250. You you good. But you ain't great because the people around you, they make $10 million a year in L.A. Because you're going to move to Newport Beach. You're going to move to somewhere. Uh, you're going to move to the best place in the DMV. You're going to move somewhere in the upper crust, somewhere in um, the, the upper crust of Chicago suburbs. And then the people around you got big money. Somebody says, I disagree. I'm living large on way less than that, and I don't need to bling. Okay, listen. God damn. I hate when people, you disagree with you. What I'm saying is in general. <laughs> Come on. 
I, I hate when people say, I disagree. I'm able to do, I ain't talking about you. I'm not talking about you. Most people with 250 a year still in debt up to their eyeballs, goofy. Yeah, you can disagree because it applies to you. I can live off of 250 comfortably because I don't have bling. I'm not saying that I, uh, because I, it doesn't count for me. It doesn't count for the rest of the people. The rest of the people who make 250 are broke. And we can prove it by the, we can prove it in 10 seconds. We can prove that in 10 seconds. Most people live in paycheck to paycheck that make that amount of money. Just because you don't doesn't mean the rest of the people don't. He said, that ain't my problem. Again, we're not talking about that. That's your problem. You don't even have a profile picture. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, anyway. <laughs> Most people that make 250 still got student loan debt that they're paying off. And they can't even pay it off in full. Why? Because they got a whole bunch of other shit going on for them. Uh, let's see here. A uh, shout out to KW from, I'm not going to say, he says, you're a right coach. Is it why these women are always wanting a guy that can travel with? It's about, he says, it's all about likes and keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, this whole travel culture with women specifically, some women are paying for their trips. Most don't. Most are looking for men that travel so that they can piggyback. And then when they get there, they want to take their own pictures and then get status points. All right. Never talk to women that say, I've traveled here and I traveled there. The question is then, how much of that did you pay for? I've flown myself to Paris. I've done Greece. I've island hopped. I've done all of that. Yep. And then when they get there, they want to say, I have been here and I've been there and you're a nobody because you haven't been here or there. How do, how do you get it? How do you get away with that when you didn't pay it? Deadly Edly, even though I got, I got money and drive a Tesla, I still dress like I'm homeless because I'm too busy for that. Need to watch KS's style videos. Um, it used to matter to me. That don't matter to me no more. Like this guy, it don't matter to me. Uh, uh, like getting dressed on a daily basis like that, not my thing. Maybe two or three days out of the month to make myself feel good and treat myself. All right, but the rest of the days, I literally got on sweatpants and a t-shirt and I'm going out running errands after this just like that. <laughs> In a Porsche. Jumping out with some vans. I don't give a damn. And who am I trying to impress? Most of the time, you, you're trying to impress people, and they ain't doing nothing but hating on you. They're mad at you. Uh, shout out to Owen. He's not Owen. He says, Coach, with the knowledge you provide, you should be a course curriculum at a HBCU. Hashtag facts. Well, HBCU, I've worked on the HBCU campus. They're not about facts there. So it wouldn't work. Uh, too many people at the HBCUs. Congrats and shout out to everybody that's been to an HC, uh, HBCU. That's a historically black college and university. Uh, they're about victim mindset over there. Too much, too much, too much to make a difference. All right. I would enrage that population of people, unfortunately. Um, I've worked on a campus, Southern University in Baton Rouge. I liked it. The people were cool, but they were, they were, they were comfortable in their own 
<laughs> you know what I mean? In our own little world over there. And it's it's not good, man. I mean, I've been to, I've been to I did a college tour when I was a uh junior or a senior in high school. We we toured, I think uh we toured, we started at Howard and we toured every almost every HBCU almost all the way down to Florida and over through Alabama, through Georgia and Alabama, and up through Tennessee. That was a college tour that I did. I can't remember how many campuses this was, but we went to almost all of them. And then I worked at an HBCU in which then we played all of the SWAC, a couple of MEAC schools. So I've been on those campuses. I'm like, these people ain't about nothing. That not, not everybody, but they're about being where they are. They're stuck in their little, they're stuck in their little hole right there. <laughs> stuck in their little hole. Like they, they want to be kind of doing what they do and not change. They're stuck in their class system. They're stuck. It, it's, it's hard to explain. I'm like, dang, y'all can break out of this, but no. Like in their world, they're going to go to, you know, I, I get it. They're going to go to this HBCU and they're going to enter a world that reflects the population of the HBCU. It's not. There, dude, when you, you're going to get out into the real world, okay, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're going to go to your HBCU and the whole population is going to be 96% black. Then you're going to get out with your job and your degree and you're going to be out there and you're going to be in the 2%. It's going to be 2% black in everything where you go. And if you don't adjust, you're going to be, you're going to be screwed. So I get why you would go there. That's cool. But then when you get out there, don't think that the world's going to be anything like HBCU It's going to be something different. Now you might want to stay in Atlanta. All right. Where you have a little bit of a chance because then your demographics is 50%. But if you go anywhere outside of that, you're going to be not in HBCU world anymore. Real fast. So that, that comfort zone actually, I think, debilitates you. You do it too long, that's a comfort zone that's going to debilitate you. Not saying that you should go to a white school, but you better get a double dose of reality quickly. Because you're going to step your ass outside in the real world in Pittsburgh and get clobbered. You're going to get clobbered over the head and go, Western Pennsylvania, here I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm. Somebody says, are white guys allowed at HBCUs? Yeah. Dude, we had a bowling team that was almost half white. Actually, the Southern baseball team is half white. So you can be white. The Southern baseball team is half white. Because uh, a lot of those baseball guys grow up to play baseball, and their dream is to play college baseball. So they don't get to go to LSU. So they got to go to Southern. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, in order for them to play another year of Division One baseball, they could go – They could walk on to somewhere at LSU, get cut, or they could go over to Southern and be decent. So look up the baseball team. I've I ventured to say that they probably got five or six white kids on the team. Um, there was a white, white, there was a white, white, wide receiver that I know played at Southern and he was pretty good. But, you know, it is what it is. That's why I said 96%. It's always going to be some white kids there. And they do fine there. They do fine there. Uh, they never, I don't never heard that they experienced anything. They do fine there. Shout out to Mr. Austin. He says, boomers are the worst. Even at work, I'm a millennial who has to, uh, who has produced more documentation at work in 16 months than the, my boomer counterparts in 10 years. They're definitely trying to hold me back now that they see my work. So the, 
the class problem does extend to generation as well. So there's a generation problem going on here. And that does cause problems, especially with class. So baby boomers are falling behind technology-wise. I got a lot of class apps, so I'm going to get to those right now. Baby boomers are falling around uh, behind technology-wise. Even Generation X is experiencing this. So millennials will be the primary workforce in less than eight years. They're probably almost that now. Baby boomers are kind of tailoring off, and a lot of their things that they do are very old, an old way to do it. Not that it's bad, but it's an old way to do it. Millennials think that they can do it better by using technology. Oftentimes, it doesn't do very well. Sometimes it does. And that's a culture class that's going to happen there. But I'm often always trying to embrace moving into the future. I'm an old man on a YouTube platform that live streams. That gives you an indication that I'm opening up to technology. I actually impress. I'm impressed by my son's ability to do things technology wise. I'll have him sit behind this computer and he'll pull up the task manager and all this shit that I'll never pull up. I have a problem. I can't close a tab, son. <laughs> and he comes down. Yeah, what? Man, how do I close this tab? <laughs> right? And he comes down, gets behind there, cracks his knuckles, pops this up. I'm like, huh? What are you doing? All old ass. <laughs> Wait, what, 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 what did you pop up there? And what did you? He canceling stuff, closing stuff, and he hops right off. Man, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So I like the fact that things are growing faster for me. You know what I mean? I like that. And I'm like, let me catch up. You know what I mean? Like, let me, let me figure this out because this is how I'm going to survive. Imagine if I was just some, some genera old generation X guy not embracing the fact that technology is passing us by. And I'm just going to sit here like, these young people in this tablet, dude, these young people with the tablet are going to make the next thing. One of them are. A couple of y'all going to turn into bozos, but the next, the, the access to this will make the next thing. Baby boomers and sometimes Generation X people don't understand that. Just because you can't use the technology doesn't mean that they can't and then embrace it and make it better. <laughs> so I'm always like, you go millennials, you go uh, Generation Xers or Generation Zers. You go, man. And I'm going to be right behind you because that's where the money's more times than not. That's where the money's going to be. It's going to be behind something digital. It ain't going to newspapers aren't coming back. Baby boomers. Magazines aren't coming back. You know what I mean? Email is not coming back. <laughs> Email ain't coming back, bro. You know what I mean? Magazines and newspapers ain't coming back. Nobody. Nobody past baby boomers believe anything in the newspaper, okay? Only you baby boomer ass people believe that bullshit. So don't tell me to go watch MSNBC. We don't believe them. We don't believe you. We need more people. Mm. <laughs> Yahoo and AOL chat is not coming back. Hotmail is not coming back, all right? So go take your ass. I mean, email is a way to communicate, but people communicate like, you know what I mean? Like. Facebook is not coming back. Sit your ass down and embrace where this culture is going. I, I've embraced it. I'm tired of these old ass people jumping on here and they damn lighting look like crap. All right. And your microphone is crap. 
And then you sitting up here trying to figure out how to make it. And then you jump on the damn millennial show and it's blinking, flashing ass lights, lighting good. Look like a whole damn production. They got camera scanning back and forth. <laughs> and you in there, why my subscribers ain't growing? <laughs> they sitting up there. Why can't I get no damn momentum on my YouTube channel? I'm like, damn, look, look at what people have to watch versus what you produce. You produce jack shit and you want to talk long ass. I know I talk a lot, but they they talk like old people. You ever see old people talk? Yeah, they think you got all day. So they stop you in the store. Hi, how are you? Fine. They have the useless ass introduction. You like, man, let's get past the introductions. Hi, how are you? Are you having a good day? Is everything good? Well, that's good. Let me tell you about my day. Man, what the hell do you want? Long drawn out pause, um and ah, the whole damn time thinking, oh, hold on. I got a phone call. Let me check. Man, would you damn produce a show? This is a show. And play some sound effects. <laughs> you got a whole damn show, no sound effects or nothing. All right, give me some damn entertainment or something. Give me something. Shit. Old ass people talking on there. <laughs> Martin Luther King. Somebody said Martin Luther King speech ass YouTube creators. Man, shut up. Get to the damn point. I know y'all think about, y'all think that about me too. I know. All right, sorry. Sorry, I'm an old man. Appreciate you, Edward A. Oh, my Lord. He hit us with a sponsorship. Lord have mercy. He says, I'm red-pilled about life. Man, that's a bar. I'm red-pilled about life. It's not, it's more than, this is more than women. You guys got to understand that. Uh, I get some attention because I can talk about relationships, but my life is, I'm Crimson Capsule about life. All right, shout out to, Mr. Walker in the building, he says, love all your shows, but the blue chip mindsets are my favorite streams. All right. That's what we do around here. Mr. Mac is in the building. He says, many think they have power from monitor uh, with from monitored social media. Um, many think they have. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Yeah. The power is not there. All right. The power is a little bit greater than that. Dr. Thunder is in the building, the professional. I dig these blue chip mindset episodes. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Mr. Boyd is in the building. Mr. 304 donator. All right. Mr. Michael's in the building. Thanks, coach. Can I ask you a question via live chat? I'll try to, but I, I don't see the screen right now. So I'm kind of going through these. And by the time you say it, it's gone. So what you can do is, yeah, just throw it in there. I don't know. I'll try to find it. Or PayPal it. PayPal it will allow more. All right. Uh, Marcus says, we appreciate you over here on Spotify, coach. Appreciate you, man. You guys got hit with four streams in one day because I forgot to upload them from the weekend. So appreciate you guys on Spotify. All right. Eric S says for the collection plate. Thank you, man. Mr. Gemini Ryder, you can pay for school, but you can't buy class. Yep. Um, that was said by Jay-Z. It was kind of like uh, a phrase already. He said, pay for school. There was a phrase called, you can go to school, but you can't buy class. Uh, but then Jay-Z says, I think he says in a song, you can pay for school, but you, you can't buy class. Class is the biggest divider in our country. 100%. Way more than race. Way more than gender. It's class. And you guys ignore class so much. And this, I think it's the most important element. And you guys mix class and think it's going to work. It ain't going to work because we're class is ingrained in us, unfortunately. Just like in India, it's ingrained in them. 
just like with the slaves, ultimately it was ingrained in them to distinguish between the domestic slaves and the, the, the field slaves and the black slaves and the brown slaves and the white slaves, the light-skinned slaves. This is an ingrained thing that you can't change. You can't change it. You can be mad about it, but you can't change it. You can't be like, well, I'm black. I'm going to go light-skinned. Or you, can, you can't force people to like you when they don't like black people. And they like the light skinned blacks. You can't, I mean, <laughs> shout out to John Pillow. He says, F Tawana hit AI with the game over. Let's give him this one right here. Game over. Dude, I'm mad at that Tawana contract. Caitlin Ferguson, Shaq's ex wife, remarried, but keeps his name. Again, that's part of, that's a class decision. She knows that gives her entree into a society that. Shaquille O'Neal brought her in. So that's crazy. And a lot of times women will say, no, because our kids have the last name, so I want them to have the last name. Uh, Whatever. Whatever. You know. I was going to say something personal, but then I would have gave out information that I didn't want to have out. Mr. Peter says, nothing. 1641. Is that a year? Appreciate you for that uh, one. And Simon Small says, some of these donations are weird amounts maybe it's because you guys are in the united kingdom is that subliminal <laughs> i don't know shout out to simon small but i appreciate it dre says uh for women oh uh, sorry women don't invest so their money is irrelevant we're gonna get to that if we have a little bit of time here uh women don't invest so their money is irrelevant uh mr rennie says coach our water shortage is real in california well, what's real is that they're going to give us an idea that we can use only so much water. Um, but uh, this has happened before. They say it's there's a drought. Whether there's a drought or not is up to you. There is definitely, uh, sorry, there's definitely um, always water shortages in the desert regions. However, what you have to know is class-wise, there's a class of people who have grandfathered in through their own class system um, uh, exclusive uses to water, water, exclusive, exclusive usage of water, meaning they can use unlimited amounts of water based on their past class structure. You peons, they will tell you, you can use a certain amount of water, but if you come from a class of people that have had people for generations, um, involved in the structures of California and whatnot. They own agriculture. They were part of the elite class in California. They can use unlimited water. Did you know that? Did you know that? No, you didn't know that. See, that's a class thing. You peons, they will tell you, you can shower once uh, or twice a week and you can water your grass on Tuesday and Thursday and you can't wash your car a certain amount of time. However, there are people that have uh, that are been born in certain families that they can use. They use seventy percent of the water. This class of people. Somebody said, "Did CGA say agriculture?" Yeah, California is mainly agriculture. <laughs> California is a big old Aggie uh, town. It's always been Aggie uh, up until recently, up until the last thirty years. California was. Mostly Aggie. I mean, Orange County was an agricultural mega spot up until 30 years ago. 
I mean, I used to go through Orange County when I was a kid, and it was nothing but orange groves here. You would see orange groves to the left, to the right. You go through Fullerton, Anaheim, what is Irvine now, Tustin. It was nothing but orange fields and pecan fields. Okay, Fresno. Fresno, the whole damn county is Aggie. Northern California, all the way up to um, all the way up to Napa County, agricultural. Everything in Compton used to be agricultural. They used to have dairies, the little dairy where you walked in there and you got your milk and your little stuff. Compton was very much an Aggie town. Matter of fact, you could go to parts of Compton right now and see Mexicans riding horses. Back in the 80s, they had Farmer John. And it was, I mean, it was they had a portion of people that grew up in California in the 80s that lived on the outskirts of Los Angeles. They'd be walking around with farmer clothes on in the early 80s. In the early 80s, they would be in farmer clothes. Old people, though, they would be 60 and 70 years old. The people that were 60 and 70 in the 1980s, they would be wearing coveralls. <laughs> they were very much agricultural. So it's um, and this was in Southern Cal this was in Southern California, South Bay, close to Torrance. Uh, by, by the way, George Bush's family was from Compton originally, and they had a farm here. You guys know that? I got you, G-Money. He says the question here, so I'll pause it. Did you know George Bush's family, George W. Bush and George H.W. Bush, family was from Compton in the 1950s, and they had, they had agricultural farm here. So California, what you know about California now is not what California used to be. Especially back when Mexico had it. Uh, there was one Mexican rancher that owned all of Malibu by himself, and he got into debt and he sold it forever losing out on millions of dollars. <laughs> all right. Uh, because he got in a little bit of debt, which would be a little bit of debt now, probably something like $10,000 worth of debt. But in today's money, it would have been significant debt. But it was $10,000 back then, and he had to give up all that farm. Uh, so California is an agricultural Mecca. I know people don't think about it now, but it it was up until the 1980s. And there's horse stables everywhere. Griffith Park, uh, there's places in Laguna, uh, Laguna Nagao, I be believe. There there's just horse areas. It says right here, uh, just so, so you guys knew, uh, right here, let me see this. I know I'm here to educate you. Now you got California people that don't know about this. They just think California is just this highlight film i got this question from g money i believe let me see here here it is right here there's the there's the thing right here george bush family right here former president george hw bush once lived in compton this is the family it says right here in one of the least known chapters in an extraordinary life of George H.W. Bush, this is the father, this isn't the young W, the nation's 41, 41st president who died late Friday in his Houston home at age 94, lived in Compton for about six months in 1940 to 1950. The Bush family patriarch is usually associated with Maine and Texas, the two states where he spent most of his life. But according to an autobiography, Bush and his wife Barbara lived in Compton while assigned while on assignment for dresser industry selling oil drilling equipment all right uh his eldest daughter his eldest daughter robin was born in compton 
just before Bush was transferred uh, again. And again, he wrote, it says right here. Right. So there's their there's their connection to Compton. I know little known information. Right. And that's how all the guns and the CIA pushed off. Never mind. <laughs> Did I say that? That's how they knew. Put it in Compton. Wait, wait, hold on for a second. <laughs> all right. Uh, I didn't say that, but somehow the guns landed there and there's a connection to the CIA. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you know George H.W. Bush was the head of the CIA. I'm I'm telling y'all too, but sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna come up missing one of these days. <laughs> I'm going to come on missing. All right, G Money New York says, in the cash app, Coach wanted to ask you if platonic co-parenting was a good option. He says, everything you say is right. I don't see the benefits of marriage, but I do want a child. What should I do? Oh, uh, man, I don't know if we have time to explore that one again. I've, I've done it a lot already about that. But um, platonic co-parenting? Uh, co-parenting could work. If one person's not emotional, that's the only way. If one person's trying to is bitter or vindictive and the other person's defiant, it ain't gonna work. So I don't know, man. You got it's a it's a it's a roll of the dice. You're gambling. You can't have a co-parenting agreement ahead of time before you impregnate her. You could do that. That's an option. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's an option. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know, man. It's crazy. Somebody says, at least, uh, Coach, at least waiting for your channel to reach 200K on your main channel before you start spilling. I know, man. I know. I don't I know, man. I, I know too much, but I say too much sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Because you know who, who doesn't like what I say? Normies. It's not that it's people at YouTube. It's normies. And the normies are like, what is this? Because they don't know no better. Right. They think everything started in 1960. There's no history before that. Right. Before that, it was just the wild, wild west and nothing was invented. Everything started in 1960 in their brain, maybe 1950 at at best. Right. They know nothing before that. And hence why you start repeating the same goofy mistakes that people made in 1930 and 1890 and 1776. They think that is a long time ago. Then when I start educating them about the normies that, caused us to be in your normie position, they go crazy. Normies can't stand me. And they're the one caused me the most problems. Normies. <laughs> right? Shout out. They don't know a damn thing about anything. They think everything's about fantasy and the Lord. I don't know what the hell's going on with normies. Where are we at here? Almost done. Mr. Uh, we're going to call you Mr. S. Ron. All right. Coach University on fire today. Yes, indeed. Pele Manuel, appreciate you for being here again and again. Mr. Zen says, look into geoengineering. Uh, S-A-I-S-R-M. I'm not sure what those things mean, but maybe that's an avenue for one of you guys to get into and earn geoengineering. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe that's something that I need to learn about, about what's going on. And I'm going to check the PayPal, the PayPal over there. Did I get him? Yes, I did not. He says, don't say my government name and call me Eddie. It's been a month since I did pay for, pay, oh, pay for play. 
I was addicted for eight months and spent too much money doing it. The gym helped me stay focused and I'm working on my AWS certification. Thank you for your content. Yes. Uh, uh, what we have to understand is that anything done, not in moderation, excuse me, will hurt you. And uh, women, drugs, alcohol, you know what I mean? Gambling. It's all fun and games. Just like if you do anything with a woman, it can become a vice. Marriage, relationships, pay for play, dating. Uh, people serial date and they're broke doing it. And they go broke doing it. You have a little bit of money, you start serial dating and you go broke. So anything done in excess and not in moderation will harm you. So the best thing then you should do is go back and within and um, best develop whatever side that you need to uh, do to avoid going that direction. Okay. Uh, broke dating is a plague of our society for men and women. I'm just letting you guys know. I do not suggest broke dating for men or women. Speaking of, somebody brought this up and I'll go over it briefly. Uh, women in investing, 20 years of research and statistics summarized. 67% of women are now investing outside of retirement compared to 44% here in 2018, it says. That's great news, but lower wages and a lack of confidence hurt women's ability to succeed as investors. Uh, and hence why they don't do it as much or as aggressively. And then they seek men for mentorship or they seek men to get into a relationship with that are doing it. The problem is they're not bringing anything to the table, right? In essence, to be associated with these men. A lot, a lot of times uh, they will try to exceed jump classes of men because they have a degree. Well, I have a degree, so I'm a jump classes of men. That don't that don't make you jump the class, especially when you lack in other areas like youth, uh, uh, availability, uh, weight, fitness. You can't just jump in jump classes because you got a degree or you got a job in human resources that you make eighty five five thousand dollars a year. That means not that that means nothing to a man that has this ship together. In fact, Fidelity reports that. As of 2021, only 33% of women actually see themselves as investors, and only 42% feel confident in their ability to save for the future. When they're talking about these investors, these aren't high-level investors, unless they're Nancy Pelosi. Let's go ahead and go forward. 41% of women don't have an emergency fund. This should be traumatizing for you as a man because you're out here with people who are on their last leg many times, and they're trying to merge with you even though they make money they don't have emergency money. They don't have savings. They don't have investments. Where are they going to put themselves? Where are they going to put themselves in the future without you? Panhandling. That's where it's going to put them because they're going to run out of time, unfortunately. Uh, right here, 40% of women have less than $100 in their savings accounts. 40% have less than $100. And 28% of men. So men are coming right behind them, but that's a class system there. All right, so that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. You guys can go rags to riches in America, so that's a beautiful thing. But when you do, you guys got to understand class still plays a part of it. You can get a lot of money and still be low class. Or you can get your mentality right, become higher class, and then when the money comes, you know what to do with it. You can become a millionaire right now and blow it by being low class and doing low class things, right? Low class things, things that higher class people don't, won't do or won't admit to doing. Anyway, it's all a mindset. Shout out to the Coach Gang. Appreciate y'all for being here. Do me a favor. Like the video. On the way out, we'll leave you with uh, George Bush. 
not George Bush, <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden asking his girl or asking a girl if she's a freshman. Are you a freshman at the university? No, no. <laughs> <I'm teasing. laughs> you look like no. a freshman. 